Welcome to the Unscripted Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Conrad, and this show is where we hear the real stories from real people changing the world. From everyday people to the top celebrities, all the conversations are real, raw, and always unscripted. Thank you for joining me today. Now let's get to today's guest. All right, everybody, welcome to Unscripted One-on-One and uh, Friday Night Edition here. Um, uh, I, I'm super excited. I think I say this every time I start a podcast and people are probably tired of hearing it, but every time I'm, I'm a little bit more excited. So um, tonight is, uh, is special for me. Let, me. let me go ahead and let my guests introduce himself and then I'm going to brag on them a little bit. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us about you, your family, what you do, and, and we'll go from there. Uh, my name is Adam Lucas. I work at the University of North Carolina in the athletic department. Uh, do some writing for the school's website. I, I co-host the Carolina Insider podcast along with Jones Angel. Um, go to a whole lot of, of Tar Heel games and all sorts of sports, which is a lot of fun. Uh, have lived in North Carolina my whole life. Um, married, have four kids. Uh, they go to a lot of Tar Heel games, which is also a lot of fun. And uh, this is what I always wanted to do. Well, what I really wanted to do was I wanted to play point guard for the Tar Heels. Didn't uh, we all? <laughs> then go on to the NBA. But unfortunately, a, an extreme lack of talent cut that short. And uh, so I had to find other ways to, to watch the Heels. Well, and I don't – they didn't um, – for some reason, they didn't want intramural champions from Mount Vernon either. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, for some reason, you know, I, I never got that call, but no, um, man, I, um, I'm, I'm super excited. And, and um, so I, I think you probably know this, but if not, I live in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I've got a friend, I'm going to go ahead and give him a shout out. Cause he was, he wanted to dial in today. He wanted to come in and stand behind me and, and wave because he's such a huge fan of yours as well. But Jeremy Rose uh, and I are two diehard uh, Carolina fans that, that uh, live here in Columbus and honestly, um, you are the lifeblood for us um, as a writer. Um, win, lose, it doesn't matter. You, your right, your your rapid reactions, one, and then the next day follow up. Um, you just have an incredible gift to be able to write, and that's so. Like I said, I'm gonna brag on you a little bit. You just have an incredible gift to write. And um, for those of us that are in Columbus, Ohio, in Buckeye territory. Uh, by the way, bef- let's just get out of this way. When you guys come up to Cleveland, it, can you just come away with a win, please? Because I've already coined this as a revenge tour. Last year was hard enough. When I heard OHIO in the Dean's, Dean Center, man, that, that's not okay with me. So let's get up here. Let's get a win in Cleveland. Let's just calm this nonsense down. All right, back to my my um, praise of you. Um, <laughs> I uh, I want you to know this. There's um, I, I have a, a – actually, where this – post will appear is on a blog that actually I just kind of converted over the years. I, it went on ice for, for many years. Um, but originally I was a writer and I wrote when, when blogs were a thing. Um, and, and I mean this genuinely, there's two people that inspired me, uh, Max Locato and you. Um, when I read your writing, I, I wasn't always the best student. Uh, most people that listen to podcasts know I got a 13 in my ACT, wasn't a great student. Uh, what, probably why I didn't end up in Carolina, but, um, no, I, I, uh, I was never a great student, never a great writer. And when English teachers probably heard that I had a blog, they probably laughed <laughs> uncontrollably. But, um, so I'm thankful for people like you and Max Licato who taught me how to write. And I, I swear to you, Adam, that's the, the truth. Forget the Tar Heel stuff. 
just from a writing perspective, you are um, literally have been an inspiration to me. And, and I wanted to thank you for that personally. So um, that's awesome. Man, I, I really appreciate you saying that. And um, it's, it's funny, I, like many of us, I grew up listening to Woody Durham and I always thought that I definitely, I don't have the skill radio wise to do what he did uh, for so many Carolina fans, but I always thought if I got to write about the team, I'd, I'd want to write about it both the way I would want to read about it and the way he told it on the radio. Um, and, and that's, that's what I've tried to do. And it's always fun to hear folks say that uh, they're able to experience Carolina through, through anything that I do. That's a huge compliment because I grew up doing that exact same thing. Um, and, and what I learned about the Tar Heels was from people like Woody and, and folks like that, John Kilgo's writing and Carolina Blue Magazine, um, Lee Pace writing extra points. He wouldn't want to hear that because I, I still work with him on Carolina football. Um, but that that's always what I've tried to do. So I really appreciate you saying that. That's just the truth. And I'm not just saying that because you're a guest. I've, I've forever wanted to tell you that. I might have even tweeted it at you at some point or another, just hoping it would get to you. Uh, so to have this platform today and be able to have you, you know, face-to-face and be able to literally tell that, to your face. Um, thank you for that. Um, you know, I don't know if I became a great writer, but I learned a lot from, from what you write. So um, let's start there. Let's, um, let's go to that. You are, I, I, in my, you know, most people say live in the dream, right? <laughs> That's a phrase that we, a lot of people say, it seems like to you, to me, you're living the dream. Um, how did it all start? Where did it start? How did you, well, first off, let's start off, where did you fall in love with Carolina? And then why don't you take us from there, your story, uh, as far as your um, just journey with Carolina? Oh, man, my, my journey with Carolina was from birth, Aaron. Um, it, my, my parents uh, raised me as a Tar Heel fan. Um, my grandfather actually came back from World War II and went to Carolina on the GI Bill he was in the Carolina coffee shop one day and uh, my grandmother who he had never met prior to that day was a waitress in the Carolina coffee shop. Um, and she always liked to brag that her, her very favorite thing that she got to do was wait on Charlie Choo Choo Justice. But her <laughs> second favorite thing that she got to do was meet my grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, grew up going to just as many games as I could um, football, basketball, baseball, everything that, that we could find tickets to. Um, it, it was always a big deal for our family to go to the ACC tournament back when the ACC tournament, in my mind, was the real ACC tournament um, with teams that you cared about and you knew every player on every team. And we, right. I would force my parents to go to every single game, even the ones Carolina wasn't playing in. We'd sit there on Friday from noon until midnight and watch all four quarterfinal games. And I'd root against State and Duke and whoever else had been mean to the Tar Heels that year. And I'd root <laughs> for the Tar Heels. Um, so I, I was bathed in it early on. Um, I, I never was uh, real interested in writing until in high school. Uh, I had a, a teacher, as so many of us do, who was really a couple teachers who were important to me and said, you know, um, you, you might be able to write at some point. And, and at that point, I didn't know you could write about the Tar Heels. I thought they meant like write about English. Right. And that was that appealing. Um, but then I, I ended up at Carolina Law School, um, made it through the first semester just fine. Um, second semester is when the Carolina basketball games really got going, especially those nine o'clock games. Right. I was, I was doing some, some writing for the old goheels.com, even back before it was the official site, which I doubt anyone even remembers anymore. 
Um, and so I would write about the basketball games and then I'd have to go to class the next morning. And I had an 8.30 contracts class. And uh, it was a day after one of those nine o'clock basketball games. So I'd been up late and I had not even come close to doing the reading. I probably didn't even know where the book was located. And uh, the contracts professor was a big Carolina basketball fan and he knew that I was doing some writing and it was a Socratic method class. So he called on you and you were the guy for that whole day of class. Mm -hmm. Wow. And he would just keep coming back with more questions. So he called on me. It very soon became apparent that I had no idea what he was talking about. Uh, and he very kindly, and one of the only times I can ever remember him doing this, he moved on from me to someone else. Usually, if you didn't know, he they would keep hammering you. Wow. That's the whole idea of the Socratic method. Um, but he moved on from me and just said, Adam, come see me after class. And I think all of us who have ever been in a classroom know what that usually means. It's not that they want to tell you how great you are. Right. Uh, and so everyone left the, the big lecture classroom. I went up to the front to, to talk to him and he said, Adam, look out at, at this class. So I looked out at all those rows and rows and rows of empty chairs. And he said, those seats are all filled by people who feel about the law the way you do about Carolina basketball. Mm. That made sense to me. Right. Uh, so I went down the hall to the dean's office and got my papers to, to withdraw. And I was out of there by the end of the week. Um, the only problem at that point was I really didn't have anything to do. So it's not very smart to withdraw from Carolina Law School and go tell your parents that you dropped out when, when you know they're going to say to do what? To do what? Uh, <laughs> so uh, fortunately, uh, this was Matt Doherty's uh, first season as the head coach at Carolina. And my dad and I had gotten tickets to the game at Cameron Indoor Stadium, the first Carolina Duke game we'd ever been to at Cameron. So I decided, well, I'm going to wait to tell my dad until we see what happens with the game. <laughs> and if the Heels win, I'll tell him on the way home. And if they lose, I'll keep thinking on this a little bit. Well, Coach Doherty, Joseph Forte, Brendan Haywood got the win that night at Cameron. So uh, we went ahead and had that talk. And luckily things were in a good mood because Carolina had won the game. And he just basically told me that you better figure out something to do because you've made a big choice that now you're going to have to back up. So uh, I scheduled a meeting with the, the then new president of the Rams club, John Montgomery, who was still new enough that he didn't really know any better. And I took in the magazine that NC state had and the magazine that Duke had. And I said, look, these are your peers and they have magazines and you don't have one. Wow. And he said, well, that's, that's probably true. He said, do you know how to do a magazine? And if you've ever dropped out of law school and have absolutely no job prospects whatsoever, if, if someone asks you if you know how to do anything, including a magazine, you say yes. Right. Uh, so I did. And uh, he said, good, well, let's do the first one in about two months. So that gave me a whole month to learn how to do a magazine before I actually had to do one. Uh, and we've been doing it ever since. Wow. Wow, what a story. And now your your is your son still a ball boy? He is too old thanks to NCAA rules. Oh, come on. <laughs> come so he on. has to go sit in the stands back when people could sit in the stands. Right. Um, and he's very bitter about it and makes sure we know that he would much rather be down on the court than sitting with us normal folks. And I don't know you can believe everything you read on the internet. I think I read that you have four kids, right? But and I know your son was was I, I always just again from Columbus, Ohio, watching all that take place. I'm like, that's so cool. I mean, 
I, my son got to uh, be the ball boy because I was a, a f- um, friends with the strength coach at Ohio State for until he moved on to Arkansas. But um, so he got he got some access a few times and what a, what a time especially because the Cavaliers play a exhibition game here in Columbus. So Cincinnati and Cleveland fans, you know, everybody can kind of get to see the team. And uh, back when LeBron was still here, he got to be the ball boy once. And that was really cool. Um, the funniest part is actually, so um, so my strength coach friend is also, so uh, in 2009, we were on our way to OBX. And every year we went to OBX, we would go by way of Chapel Hill because I'm kind of a fan in case you've noticed um so we would spend we we it's an eight hour drive from columbus and then like three to obx three or four right um so we would stay the night in chapel hill go to franklin street go to sutton's go to giant t-shirt and buy some gear just enjoy the experience and one year we went down it was 2009 right after the championship uh he connected us with jonas which was just so kind of him and jonas took us on a world tour and we got to be in Roy's office. Roy wasn't around. Uh, I looked at my son. I said, next time we're here, it's going to be for a recruiting visit. I didn't quite develop, but, but anyway, I want to set the bar, right? <laughs> so, um, but no, it just, just incredible experience. There's something, you know, we, we love Chapel Hill and um, that was a really cool time for us. But um, you know, and then uh, so get to meet Jonas, get to see the facility. There was actually um, a graduation ceremony going on. So they had tarp on the floor and we couldn't really kiss center court but <laughs> but no just a great experience and and so I can imagine um you know having your son be a ball boy it's got to be really really cool I've, I've I've appreciated watching that on Twitter from far away so that's very cool he got to do what I always wanted to do growing up but didn't even know it was an option and actually our, our oldest daughter is now doing what I really thought I might want to do once I realized I wasn't good enough uh she's in her first year as a varsity manager she was a JV manager last year She's a varsity manager this year, so we get periodic texts and calls with her telling us about the latest gear she's gotten. Um, so that's both really fun and also kind of demoralizing. <laughs> it's a whole different world, isn't it? I mean, it's a completely different world. And uh, my middle daughter, who has committed somewhere else here, in, in actually she committed in Indiana, but uh, she she was uh, her grades and and how hard she's worked has actually put her in a position to where she possibly could have gone to Carolina as an out-of-state student uh, and I remember Jonas told us that we were walking around asking him questions and one of the things he said was you better you got to have really good grades so I was hoping again I was hoping my son would kind of catch that vibe like hey man you gotta you know you gotta score real high on the ACT my daughter did but she ended up going so anyway I, I've kind of had to give up the dream but all the mail that we got from UNC I I keep that because that's special to me so <laughs> I'm sort of a super fan as you can hear but no, uh, really special place, beautiful campus, and uh, I can't imagine what it was like. That's that's a great story to, um, you know, really make a pivot in your entire career to do. Again, I would you would you say that that you're living the dream? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I, although I didn't even know enough to know that this was something you could dream about. Um, the the dream was be head coach of the play for the Tar Heels and then be the head coach of the Tar Heels. Right. Um, I didn't know this was even a thing you could do, but if you had asked, you know, 12 year old Adam, what do you want to be doing in 2020? He would have definitely said something to do. I want to be going to all the Tar Heel games. Right. Uh, and at that point, I probably even would have said, I want to go to all the home Tar Heel games because my dad had told me you never get tickets to the road games that that'll right. never happen. And right. It's just too hard. Uh, so to be able to, to not only go to the Smith center, 12 or 15 times a year, but also be able to go to all these places Carolina goes like 
coming up your way to Cleveland. Uh, they're close to Columbus here in a couple of weeks. It just makes it even better. Yeah. Well, I hope it happens, right? I mean, I think a lot of us are kind of put a pin in it. And I, for some reason, I just feel really like that won't happen. But I hope it does. I hope, I hope their whole season happens. But, you know, we're already seeing crazy stuff happen. So, but uh, certainly welcome Carolina into, uh, into the great state of Ohio. <laughs> Especially, I'm from Cleveland originally, so I would love nothing more than to head up to Cleveland and see my, uh, my, my Tar Heels. But, so let me ask you, so you said, um, you mentioned Matt Doherty. What was your first team that you really remember? So you, you, I would assume you remember Dean. Were you, were you oh, yeah. a child during that time? And, and oh, yeah. I mean, is that, so you remember Dean? I went, I went to Coach Smith's retirement press conference. Wow. Uh, I, I remember that whole thing sort of breaking pretty much before we all were 100% sure what the internet was. Right. Um, and that was so long ago that this will tell you, like, it, you got the news the afternoon and evening before the retirement press conference actually happened. And today that would all have to happen the same day. Um, so I, I was there. He was the only coach I ever knew. Um, my whole family thought he was the greatest thing ever. And we talked about him as though he were a member of our family. And uh, then to get to work around the athletic department some while he was still around um, was just amazing. And, and I still remember and frequently tell the story of how, you know, he had absolutely no reason to know who I was, but I would see him in the parking lot of the Smith Center occasionally. And of course, I had to talk to him for, for stories sometimes. And uh, it had been maybe eight to 10 months since the last time I'd seen him. And I'm walking across the parking lot and he calls out to me and specifically asked about my kids at that time by name. Wow. Um, and for him to remember that, like it was my firsthand example of this thing that everyone talks about, about the incredible memory and the, the recall of the names, which is something that I'm not great at. Right. And to have him do it to me um, was really impressive to me because at that time, you know, I, I was a very, very young father. I had a hard time remembering my kid's name myself. Uh, so to have him do it was, was really impressive. <laughs> that's great it, it really really is and anyone that's heard this podcast before has heard me tell my, my my story with it was you know I didn't I I was a very late bloomer in terms of playing basketball I didn't know what basketball was I think I picked up a basketball for the first time my junior year I didn't know what to do and so my mom said watch tv that was that was my coaching was watch tv well at that time CBS was about the only thing on, we didn't have cable. And so the one team that was on was this Carolina blue team. This was probably a year after Michael. So we're talking like 1987, 88-ish. And um, the kid that I loved was J.R. Reed, the flat top, the whole deal. And this guy on the sideline, I told Sherelle McMillan this as well. There was this guy on the sideline named Dean. And again, I'm not real bright. So I thought it was because he was a Dean at the school. I'm like, wow, man, this, again, I didn't, I didn't understand college. I didn't understand positions. I, I literally, I had zero clue what I was talking about. So I think this guy is the Dean of North Carolina and he absolutely is coaching basketball. That gives you an idea where I was at, but I fell in love with that team. And especially J.R. Reed. I've always said, there's two reasons why I'm a fan, J.R. Reed and Dean Smith. And from that point on, you know, it was just, it was, it was on at that point. I think I can name every starting lineup since then. And I just have always just, you know, you know how it is, right? It gets in your blood and I don't live there, but um, I've always followed and always loved the teams. And uh, Dean, Dean was special far beyond what he did on the court. And we all know that. Right. And, and so that, that leads me to, you've written some books. Um, do you want to, 
I don't want to screw this up because you, you've got quite a few books. What, what, do you want to list them all or how, do you, what's the best way for everybody to know? You've written some incredible stuff and you do it every day when Carolina plays and, and you contribute, obviously. But you've written some books. Can you talk about your books a little bit? Um, I've been lucky enough to help with the books after each of Coach Williams's three championships. Uh, worked on those with Steve Kirshner and Matt Bowers, also from the athletic department. Uh, I was lucky enough to write the uh, the official book for the 100 Years of Carolina Basketball, which, again, is another thing 12-year-old Adam never dreamed would, would be a possibility. Um, the, whole, the book thing kind of got started because I wrote a book about Coach Williams's first season here at Carolina called Going Home Again. Yeah. And then uh, a, a couple cool books I got to do. I got to do a book with Wes Miller back when he was just player Wes Miller. Yeah. Uh, and we just sort of talked through his, his last season at Carolina and then produced a, a book on that. Now, of course, he's head coach with Wes Miller very successfully of UNC Greensboro. Yep. And I got to do a book on the 57 championship team, which that was a lot of fun. Uh, got to talk to almost that entire team player-wise, um, called The Best Game Ever. And, and that was a team that I had heard a lot about from my grandfather and from my dad. And so to be able to talk to those folks individually and also get to know them as, as people was, was something that was really cool. And those can all be found. Where, and, and again, I, when I do my blog post, I'm going to have this video, I'm going to have the podcast, and I'm going to have any links. Let's just get that out of the way now. What links are, what links should I share? The, the Amazon, is that the best place to get your books or where? Amazon's good. Or if, if folks want to sign one, um, I think it's jadamlucas.com slash books. Um, I've got some of those that, that I send out, especially around this time, around Christmas time. I'm always happy to do that. And again, I'm going to say this guy's the best author, um, with all due respect, as I say, guy, because you're, you're on here. But, but literally, uh, my guest is one of the best authors I've ever read. And anybody that follows Carolina knows uh, we, we literally cling to your next day recap because you are so close to the team and you make us feel like we're all so close to the team. You know what I mean? It's, I, I, again, I just can't say it enough. What a, what a fantastic gift you have you are you are in that sweet spot where i i believe god god made you to do this um I, there's no question in my mind and i know i've got some local Tar Heel fans here in columbus that feel the same way we, you're our lifeblood you are you're what we look to to say what happened last night why did we lose or <laughs> explain the austin rivers game or <laughs> whatever it might be <laughs> whatever it might be right <laughs> so um all right let, let's talk um i didn't realize this i tweeted this a few minutes ago tagged you on it I don't know. It's today's Stuart Scott Day, whatever that means in social media. I imagine you knew Stuart. Can you talk about Stuart for a minute? Just since it's Stuart Scott Day, can we honor Stuart a minute? Yeah, it, it is Stuart Scott Day, and we should because he was – it's incredible how influential he was during his career, but then it's also incredible how influential he has been after his career and that long-lasting impact that we're sitting here having a conversation about him, and I think that shows you – uh, what a big role he's played in far more than sports and cancer research and Jimmy V foundation and things that he's helped that go far beyond putting a ball in a basket. But he came back to host late night, several years. Um, I think everyone would agree probably the best host that event has ever had just because right. of his passion for, for North Carolina and for North Carolina basketball. Um, and it always seemed like a little bit of a weird pairing at the time because you don't yeah. necessarily picture Roy Williams and Stuart Scott as being birds of a feather, but you know what? They really are because they both feel the exact same way about the University of North Carolina. Yep. And I think Coach Williams respects anybody who's got that amount of passion for the thing that he has so much passion for. 
Um, so it was great uh, a couple times to, to be able to sit down with Stuart either before the event or after the event, sometimes during the event, and get to talk to him about how he got to where he was and what he liked about why was it important to him to come back and do that when, uh, you know, he had a busy schedule and that was in the middle of, of the NFL schedule. So most often what he was doing was flying in on a Friday, spending part of the day in Chapel Hill, seeing some friends after the event and then flying out to whatever NFL game he was doing on Saturday morning. Wow. Uh, and then as his daughters got older, he was flying in on Friday, flying out on Saturday morning to go to their soccer games and then leaving to go to an NFL game later Saturday afternoon. Wow. Um, so he had to work it into his schedule and make it work, but he always did because of, because of how he felt about Carolina. Yeah. And, and he, I guess he always felt like he was ours, right? I mean, even when you were watching sports center and uh, what a courageous fight. And I think I would even say that, and, and you might be able to clarify, but um, I would even say that towards the end, he was probably flying in, in the midst of his battle, right? I mean, he's, that guy just kept fighting and kept going and kept doing even in the midst of, you know, treatments and everything else just an incredible incredible I, I never had the honor to meet him but um but you know when 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 there's somebody connected to Carolina again I'm in Columbus but uh, you always feel like there are it's Carolina family and and uh, a guy like Stuart was uh pretty amazing when I saw that today was Stuart Scott Day that I feel like I I, I couldn't let this podcast pass without mentioning it for sure because I knew you'd have memories of him well, and I know all Carolina folks feel like we need one of ours in the media because there's so many Duke folks that feels like you've got to counterbalance that somehow. Well, that, that is a great transition for me because I thought about this this morning as I was putting on my socks. Welcome to Unscripted. Um, <laughs> how do you, because I know how I feel about Duke, and I also have a, just an extraordinary amount of Duke, of friends that are Duke fans, and it drives me crazy but you know we're able to keep it civil but how how is a writer because I gotta imagine you you hate Duke <laughs> as much in, in state right but and you you don't have to so uh, actually let me let me put a pin there one of the rules of unscripted is if I ever ask you a question or ask you something that you simply can't answer because of your position or your title or anything those you just say pass and my audience understands can't answer this one so we're probably treading into that territory a little bit how do you as a writer not, because you do a fantastic job, even on a day when Austin Rivers hits a shot and the next morning we're all in, like that's the one, Adam, in all the years of my Carolina basketball, that's the one, I don't know why, but that one just crushes me, that Villanova in the tournament. But in terms of the Duke-Carolina rivalry, the Austin Rivers shot just makes me sick. And, and, I, and so how the next morning do you get up, open your laptop, or that night, I, I assume you write late at night, whatever it is, how do you sit down and you not – how can you separate your fandom from you – know, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know where I'm going with this question. Where, how do you separate your hatred and your fandom from I got to put this out and be somewhat Carolina bent but also not say that I hate Austin Rivers? <laughs> how do you do that? I might say that to my wife when I get home. Um, it, you know, it, it's interesting because I think, uh, like we talked about, I grew up in it, but, but I didn't know a real live Duke fan until I was in middle school, because at that time, everybody was either a Carolina fan or a state fan. 
Wow. Um, especially around here, you just, you didn't know Duke fans because they live somewhere else in the New York, New Jersey area, but they didn't <laughs> grow up here. You didn't right. adopt Duke. You adopted right. Carolina or you adopted NC State or quite honestly, you adopted Wake Forest. I knew more Wake Forest fans. So wow. I didn't even know Duke fans existed. Um, so that was a little bit of a surprise to me. It was like discovering a new country. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think... Jones Angel and I talk about this a lot, and I think we may have talked about it on the pod at some point, but we don't really, like, I don't have Duke fan friends because ev everyone we work around is Carolina. Wow. And so I think we, we feel a little bit differently about it because we don't have to go into the office and see Duke people the next day, like right. I used to have to do in school. Like, I, I vividly remember after one ACC tournament, it was 87 when State beat Carolina, I went to school the next day and persuaded all the state fans that they had actually reviewed the end of the game and decided that state had not won That's and awesome. that Carolina had actually won the game because there was an uncalled foul and the Tar Heels were going to be awarded the game. Now, I don't know if that says more about me or more about them that they actually believe like an absolute load of baloney to me right now. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I hate Duke. But I can tell you that when you sit there at that little table at Cameron Indoor Stadium and there's hundreds of strangers you don't know whose bodies are painted dark blue and they're sweating all over you and they're calling you names and doing other things to you that you don't want to hear about, you don't have a real positive impression of them mm -hmm. um, and you want to beat them. Right. And you want the Tar Heels to beat them. If it was up to me to beat them, the Tar Heels would really be in trouble because I definitely couldn't. Um, <laughs> you want Carolina to win that game and you want to have that satisfaction of seeing Carolina walk out of there happy. Uh, the image that always comes to mind is Kendall Marshall walking out of there after Carolina won in 12 and he's just so happy. And yeah. of course, Tyler Hansborough and Danny Green winning four straight games over there. Awesome. But I, but I think the – like. I can recognize that they're good. Right. Like they are good at basketball. They are, they are a very good basketball program. Mike Krzyzewski clearly is a very good basketball coach. Right. But that doesn't mean you want to beat them any less when you're sitting right there uh. and they're on top of you. And, I, and I've always said, and I'll be interested to see what this year is like, that, yes. that you could walk me into the Smith Center at a Carolina Duke game and blindfold me and don't tell me what's happening. And I would know that's a Carolina Duke game because of how the Smith Center feels. Right. And the sound and the, the noise coming from the fans and just the way they react when the teams come out of the tunnel. And it looks like we may not have that this year, although that's four months away. So maybe, hopefully we will. Right. Um, but if we don't, I'll be so interested to see what that feels like. Um, because to this point in the season, very young season, four games, it really feels like college basketball loses a lot when you don't have any people in the building. Well, I think you saw Michigan State do, right? It's, it was different. And, I, and again, we may be treading into some territory where we can't say a lot because, you know, but I, I felt like watching that, there's Cameron Indoor's guy, and I said that three months ago, four months ago, five months ago, before this even started, I got to think, and maybe you can correct me, you've been, you've been to a lot of places, I got to think the team that, that hurts the most from a home court advantage is Duke if they can't have fans. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, because I think Duke really used to be what everyone thinks they are right now. Yes. What, 
everything they do right now from a crowd perspective is very tightly scripted. They sing the same song at the same time, at the same moment on the clock with the same stuff happening on the court every single year, every single year. And we've been places like Illinois is always the one I think of. I think Illinois has got the best student section that I've ever seen because they actually were creative. I think it's the orange crush. I think that's what they call themselves. Um, And they're creative and it's spontaneous and there's no cheer sheets. And they clearly had learned about the Tar Heels and had things to say about the Tar Heels, but they weren't, you know, they weren't graphically terrible. Like we hear not at Duke, but at some other places, NC State. Right. Um, and <laughs> to me, that's what I thought. And, and I didn't go to games at Duke when, from what I understand, Cameron was that way. Mm. But I, I think we're one generation removed from Cameron being that, but I think because of the aura that surrounds it, I absolutely think some teams go in there and are down 12 points before the game ever starts right. because they're so intimidated about the fact that those people they've heard about on television are right there. Yeah, I didn't see very much of that Michigan State game, but I would be very surprised if Michigan State wins that game in a normal year because I, I just think hmm. it, it's different. Yeah, and I don't know that Duke has the team that they've had in the past. There's not a, a Zion Williams on that team. I think they'll get better because that's just what they do. They're very much like Carolina that way, but um, I don't know. To me, I don't know. I When I watch it, and, and I typically do because that's what we do, right? We We always – look at Carolina and then we look at Duke and go, how good are they? <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I don't see it this year, but what do I know? But um, I, I don't, I, I think they will be good. I don't think they will be great. Like they have been in the past. No watch. They'll probably win the whole thing. Who knows? But <laughs> cause that's just what happens. But uh, I think Michigan state, I'm, I'm impressed with how um, uh, Izzo always finds guys just, he, you know I mean? He finds dudes um, that he just, they fit his system. They work hard, they grind. And when they were down early, I'm like, this doesn't look like the team I watched the other night. And then they came back in a big way. And, and that's, um, so let me, let me transition to that. And again, if this is a pass, let me know. What do you think of this year's team? I, I feel like Roy got him. Roy's got some tools. Last year was hard. So maybe we talk about last year first. Last year was really hard. Um, he just didn't have anything in the cupboard. W- is that fair to say you were close to the team? So many injuries. Yeah, just an unbelievable amount of injuries at, to people and positions that you just can't have injuries. Right. And it, it felt like it just snowballed upon itself and, and just got to the point where you almost expected something bad to happen, which you never expect with Carolina basketball. But if somebody could get hurt, they would. Right. Uh, and so that was just really frustrating and the whole year just an aberration from start to finish i think the thing that's been noticeable about this year's team even in practices is just how darn competitive they are they they kind of remind me a little of that that prototypical michigan state team that you're describing in the way that they want to compete and the way that it doesn't matter how much you have them down but it also doesn't matter how much they're ahead they want to keep playing and see either how much they can cut into your lead or how much they can add to their lead. Are they the most raw talent Roy Williams has ever had at Chapel Hill? I don't think so, but they are a lot deeper than they were last year. And I think the ability to, to motivate some players with the threat of, you know, I do have some other guys sitting over there who can play right. is different than last year. Yeah. And I think you'll see that develop over the course of a year and just like every year. 
the the team we saw on the floor in, in Asheville will probably bear very little resemblance to the one we see in February and March. And with with the pieces that are here, as long as everybody stays healthy, uh, I think you're going to really like that team in February and March. And I agree. Uh, having watched it is from 1987. Uh, I can usually tell by, you know, they'll be down 10 during the game and I'll look over at my son and say they're going to win by 15. You know what I mean? Or we're, we're in trouble. You know what I mean? You can, you've been doing this long enough too. It's so weird. You just replace the parts, but at the end of the day, you just know Carolina basketball, there's a run coming or, or they don't have it tonight and it's going to be bad. Texas is Texas. We won't even talk about that, but no, you know, I, I, I don't get too upset about this time of year, especially the rankings and all that, because at the end of the day, especially with Roy teams, we know Roy's, Roy's tweaking, Roy's trying, Roy's testing. He's, as you said, he's motivating. He, Roy's doing a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with the final score of the game. Roy's getting his team ready for March. And living in Buckeye land, I get a lot of, oh, you know, what about that loss? To some? I, I don't care about that. What I care about is because in March we're going to hang a banner. <laughs> you know, that, that's what we focus on. As I always say, all this stuff doesn't matter. Six wins in March is what matters. And get, in, get me in the tournament win me six games, hang a banner. That's all that really matters. Even the ACC tournament, we, you know, we could probably even talk about that in Duke and whatever. So, <laughs> so um, two questions for you. Well, actually one question for you real quick. Um, and again, this might be a pass. What's our guy Sterling Manley up to? Because I know he's, he's a Columbus guy, right? And I don't know if you can answer this, but you're close to the team. What's happening with Sterling? Is he going to play or is, is, is this just going to be a kind of, I don't know. Man, first of all, I love Sterling Manley. What a good dude. Yeah. Um, he he really is a nice guy who you can tell is making the most of the opportunity to come to Carolina off the court. Yeah. On the court, obviously, it's been a struggle health-wise. Um, he's trying to get back healthy. I think he feels like he feels better than he did last year at this point in time. But that doesn't mean we're going to see him on the court Tuesday at Iowa. Uh, he's further away than that. But I think he still hopes and plans to be able to play basketball because that's what he loves to do. And it's just a matter of getting him healthy and getting those knees functioning to the point where he can not just – the you know, the, the trick is, as I'm sure most people know, you're not just trying to play in one game. You're, he could probably play in one game. Yeah. You're trying to play in one game and then the next morning feel like you could play in another one. Yeah. And that's been the challenge with him. And he's got more of a unique situation than somebody like Anthony Harris, who's coming back from a torn ACL. Well, really, he's now torn an ACL in both knees. But that's an injury that you know how to fix and you know what the rehab is. And Sterling's is a little more complicated, a little more unique. And so he's still working, still see him in the the weight room with Jonas every single day, Uh, see him at practice every day. Of course, you see him on the bench at the games uh, every single game. His teammates love him. Uh, and everybody would love to, to see him get back out there. Well, we love him here in Columbus, and we love Jeremiah too. I mean, it was just, you know, he, he came in last year early, and he did some special stuff. You're like, this – what a story, right? I mean, the kid, the kid commits early. Carolina stays with him in the midst of an injury. He comes back. I mean, just a great story, and I hated to see him transfer, but that's what was best for him, best for his family, and best for his future goals that's awesome. But I thought, I thought he came in and gave them every ounce he had last year. I mean, like you said, last year was just an anomaly, just anything that could have gone wrong did. And, but um, I thought Jeremiah really 
you know, came in and did some great things. And he, he paid the university back and, and not cash, but not to be an NCAA violation, but you know, I mean, he, he, he gave back to the university what the university had given him. And, and I thought he was fantastic last year. And I, I, I wish nothing but the best for both those guys. They're Columbus guys. And, and um, you love to see local guys do well at Carolina. Cause that's not real often that a Columbus kid goes down to Carolina. Right. I mean, it was pretty cool. So, yep. all right. Man, it's a Friday night. You got family. I don't. I don't want to take a lot of time because honestly, I, I I could do this all night. I, I literally could talk to you all night. Um, so let me ask you a couple, just a few more questions, and this might be a pass. Greatest Tar Heel memory. Yours. Um, I would. I'll. Well, I mean, the. I think there's two separate categories. There's greatest Tar Heel memory fan, Adam. And then there's greatest Tar Heel memory sort of job, Adam. Give me Phantom, both. Uh, the, the games that always stick out to me, the, the 89 ACC tournament final, I was there with my parents in Atlanta. It was such a heated Carolina Duke game. J.R. Reed, one of your favorites, was big okay. in that game. And for some reason, I had just decided Carolina was never going to win the ACC tournament because it had been a long seven years, in my opinion. I, I guess I thought I was entitled to more ACC championships than that. <laughs> To see them beat Duke was so it was just such a fun game. Um, and then I went to the '93 championship game with my parents and, and my aunt, and my uncle, and it was in the Superdome and it was in New Orleans. And after the game, my my dad went and we walked down to Bourbon Street and we saw Dick Vitale down there and he had picked Michigan, so we told him he had to get a TO uh, because he had picked the Wolverines and Chris Weber was down there and just that yeah. whole remains very vivid in my memory. Um, uh, job, Adam, I think, you know, I tell people sometimes at the 05 NCAA tournament, I, I sort of covered that one by the book. But then I realized that, oh, if you have a media credential, you can do all kinds of things that I really never even considered doing in 05. So 09 and 17 both, I was right down there on the court as the team cut down the net and I, wow. I stood at center court while they watched One Shining Moment. Wow. At 17, I, I'm, I'm right there when, when the NCAA presents the Tar Heels with the trophy. And just to, to see all that firsthand, what fan Adam dreamed of yeah. uh, for years was really incredible. And, and that's the kind of thing that you realize in that moment. Like, I am doing what I always dream. I never thought I'd be standing here next to David Noel yeah. as he watches himself on the the big screen that was seeing one shining moment yeah and that is what i would have always wanted to do so you realize that at the time this is this is the greatest thing in the world but there there's not that many bad days i mean there's not that many austin rivers games um, there was another pretty close one last year um but, the worst but, those days are so few and far between and and the 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 average day is so good that that you really appreciate all the good stuff that happens and the the bad things are a very minor blip last year had to be tough the whole the whole grind of that season just you know 
you just felt it. Like I said, we've been doing this long enough as far as watching them as, as again, fan Adam, um, we've been doing it long enough. You just knew, you just felt it. And you're like, you hope, right? I mean, I'm from Cleveland. So you hope for the best plan for the worst is, is our motto um, in terms of sports. But um, you know, it's funny. My son has uh, all, all my kids are Carolina fans. They didn't have a choice. And so, uh, but, but my son will actually over the last uh, year he was a freshman in college and he would text me and say this feels like the Austin Rivers game <laughs> I mean that's like our thing now is is we'll say uh, this feels like the Austin Rivers game and we know what's coming and and um, and typically it does turn out that way because he's been watching it long enough you know it's funny it's it, like I say it's almost the same movie different actors you know what's coming whether it's we're gonna win this by 15 or we're about to lose this on a heartbreaking Texas felt that way you know, the other day you were there in person. Um, all right. Favorite player, whether it's, whether it's covering them now or from all your years, this is a tough one and you can probably give me five, but favorite play. Like for me, again, it, it comes down to J.R. Reed, Tyler Hansborough, hands down. No question. How about you? Favorite player. Smith. I wanted to be Kenny Smith as a Tar Heel in the NBA when he was in the slam dunk contest. Everything Kenny Smith did, I was completely infatuated with, with everything about Kenny Smith. So that was my guy in fan days. In, in job days, I think it's so much tougher because you get to know them as people. Yeah. And I think the, the really nice thing about Coach Williams is he brings in these basketball players who are also really good people. Great guys, right. Being around them. Right. Um, and so that makes it tougher to choose between them. But I think if I was going to make a list on that sheet of paper would definitely be the names Marcus Page, David Noel, Luke May, um, Justin Jackson, um, Tyler Hansborough, yeah. um, Tyler Zeller. I mean, even now I can't even limit it to five because there's so many. Yeah. Um, but it just and two, I think, as we talked about earlier, the fact that so many of them were nice to my son when he was down there on the court yep. um, changes the way you think about them. Because when they shoot three for 13 or something, but they were nice to your kid, <laughs> right. that makes you think about it real differently. And I still remember Luke May's first ever exhibition game at the Smith Center was one of the first games my son did. And we were driving home and I said, so who who had something to say to you? And he, he goes, that freshman Luke May was really nice. Like he That's asked awesome. me my name and he was so nice to me. And as you know, if somebody does that to your kid, you are their fan for life. 100%. And so, you know, it, it's cool that Luke May hit the shot against Kentucky that, that basically gave Carolina a chance to win a national title. But if he had never done that, I would still be the biggest Luke May fan there is because, because of how he treats people and how he treated my family. Um, and there's so many people like him uh, who have come through Carolina basketball and been a part of it. That's so true. I think, Roy, you know, there's there's guys that we well, – I always say we like I played on the team. But there's guys that Carolina loses out on, and, and you're like, how come we didn't get that guy? But then you watch the guy, and you're like, that's why we didn't get that guy. Roy knows what he's doing, and um, – and I'm thankful for that. Guys like Marcus, you're never embarrassed about a guy from Carolina. I mean, I can't honestly, in, in, besides Richard McCants, but we won't talk about him because some of the – That guys. one's a pass. <laughs> That's a pass, right? But, no, but literally, the fact that we can point out one, 
right? There's some teams that you could, the whole starting five is jerks. Um, the fact that our, you know, the, the Carolina brings in guys that you're proud of. When you watch a game, you see him help a guy up. You see point the passer. All, all those things that pass down from Dean all those years, that's why for me, a guy like me, um, that's why I'm a Carolina fan. And it extends. I watch the baseball team. My son and I went down to Louisville because we're – so we're three hours from Notre Dame, Pitt, and Louisville. So every year schedule comes out and we go, okay, <laughs> where are we going this year? And sometimes it's a late-night drive. But, we, you know, it's, it's great to see the team because they don't come to Columbus often, right? Um, now, I do, I do have a bone to pick with you. You typically tweet out, hey, I'll give out tickets tonight to anybody. And I typically respond that I've never won those tickets. So I'm just saying, you know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm always surprised at how many people respond to that. And I always Amazing. end up feeling worse when it's over than I did when it started because there's so many people who you think, oh, this person loves the heels. I'd like to be able to get them in. I just need the Atom Dome so that I can get in everybody I want to get in. And, and just sitting here thinking – I didn't mention Marvin Williams or Danny Green, and both those guys would be on my list too. So I might need two sheets of paper um, <laughs> because the, those are two who, even if they weren't, even if they didn't have a combined, what, almost 25 years in the NBA, they would be the kind of people you'd want to hang out with. Absolutely. And I, I, literally, we could go year after year after year. I mean, literally, we, we literally could, except for the, the Larry Drew wear twins team and we won't talk about that because that was bad that team had some good dudes on it too and i tell you rickland was a great guy that larry drew wasn't as bad as as tar heel fans think he was but i know there's there's a lot of passionate feelings on that one for sure i'll say this i have a picture actually over the, it used to be on this bookshelf over here i have a picture of so the same year we came down and we saw jonas he took us around larry drew showed up with eddie murphy's daughter because he was dating eddie murphy's daughter yeah, apparently right. <laughs> whatever anyway he was on campus and he took a picture with my son and as you just said one of the hardest things for me was he was very nice to my son and yet I absolutely hate that he bailed on the team in the middle of the night but whatever a anyway great memories Kendall Marshall who threw some of the greatest passes I've ever seen as a Carolina fan how can you not love Kendall Marshall now I will say that I emailed you and Kendall Marshall at the same like Within probably a half hour, each other. Kendall hasn't replied. So if you tell him, if you see him, tell him to check his email and reply to my email. But no, a question for all right. And I know I'm dragging you on. I'm so sorry, but this is so good. I, I literally love all. I could talk all night. If Kendall Marshall doesn't break his wrist, do we win the championship that year? We again, like I'm on the team. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think it's Carolina, Kentucky in an epic final. Huge. Uh, I think Carolina finds a way to win. That team was so good. We on the video podcast a couple of weeks ago, we had clips of just Kendall Marshall throwing hit ahead passes. So good. And, I mean, it was like a drug. Like I just sat there and watched all two minutes of nothing but him throwing the ball ahead to John Henson and Tyler Zeller. And nobody that I've seen and I and the generation before me would talk about Phil Ford. Nobody right. I've seen passed the ball like Kendall Marshall. Um, and that team just had so many weapons and they were so good. Uh, and I think they, they find a way and definitely beat Kansas. And, and I just, oh, yeah, that, that's one of the all-time hurtful seasons or moments of Carolina basketball when Kendall went down against Creighton and you knew it was bad right away yep. and what the implications were for that team. That was the one guy, right? Like that's the, you know, not that you could lose Barnes or Henson or anybody else, but the one guy that was – you can't lose Kendall. And, and, and so I coached um, 
you know, younger kids, third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, and then girls. And honestly, the one thing I would always tell them is the thing that Kendall Marshall did as soon, whether it was a rebound, he went and got the ball or whether it was an inbound, the first thing he did was look down court and look up, look up, look up. Like he was so good. And you got, you got, you know, Tyler Zeller streaking down the court, which I saw Walter um, or Walker Kessler do the other day. Hand up, running down the court. I, I, it was, I started, I got a tear in my eye because I'm like, this, that is, this guy's made for Carolina. Like, you know, I mean, Roy knows what he's doing when it comes to recruiting and finding the right guys. Anyway, we could talk all night about that stuff. But, um, all right, you mentioned podcasts. Let me get that out before we, we get off of here because I do want to let you get back to your family on a Friday night. Um, what's your podcast? Where can people find you? Because my podcast isn't that great. What's your. <laughs> it's uh it's the carolina insider i mean your podcast just needs better guests aaron i mean you're you're talking to me so that see what we do is we get people who are way better than us uh jones angel and i co-host it um we had ed davis on today i guess today's friday uh and so many folks have been nice enough to come on there and talk about the heels and and that's what people like about it but you can yeah. get it all your all your regular podcast places apple Podcasts, spotify whatever stitcher all those places people listen to podcasts the carolina insiders on there um and it's it's been really cool because we've gotten to to meet folks like you who don't live locally but are able to connect with the tar Heels through the pod and it never fails everywhere we go no matter where carolina is playing a road game we run into somebody who listens to the podcast and loves the heels and you just don't expect to find that in say spokane washington where we went right. last year um right. but we're all over. Carolina fans are all over. Uh, and, and it's awesome to be able to connect with them. They travel well. It's just unfortunate that I don't know a guy that inside Carolina that could give me some better guests. Um, <laughs> more play. No, I'm just kidding, man. I, 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 I could not be more. Um, you can ask my family. I can go get them if you want. We got a minute. But um, no, I, you can ask my family. I was really excited tonight. Um, I was excited when you responded I don't know, 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes after my email, you responded. And honestly, I, I may have done one of those little dances around the house and been just so excited. And they're like, what are you so excited about? And I told them, and my son understood because he also reads your stuff. So um, thank you. Um, and I said that before we even started recording. Thank you. This, this meant a lot to me. I go back to what I said when we first started, Adam, you, again, forget the Carolina stuff, you inspired me as a writer. And for a guy that wasn't that bright and wasn't, you know, an English major, um, I really, really followed what you said because it was so good and I knew it connected with me. And so I knew if I wrote in a way like that, um, it would connect with an audience. And apparently it did for a while till I put the blog on ice. But um, so I, I, again, you and Max Locato are two guys that I just have to say thank you because you, you literally gave me um, a roadmap to writing so um for anybody listening check out the podcast check out the books um you've got books on amazon great books and actually jeremy rose not to throw not to do the uh throwback again but but my friend who wanted to come in and wave uh or come into the podcast he he said he's got the hundred years uh book that you have and uh him and his he and his son um, look at it often. And uh, his son, now we have a text string. It's myself, his son, and him. And during games, we text about what's happening in the game. So he's he's passed on the, the, the Tar Heel fandom to his son. And uh, they were both excited about me having you on because of your book. So please find the books on Amazon. Please find the podcast. 
And uh, for anybody watching this as a Carolina fan, I don't need to say anything else. They all know how great you are. So um, a lot there, but, but thank you, Adam. This, this meant the world to me that you would come on my little bitty podcast. I feel like I should go get my family and let you talk to them and tell them how great I am because I can tell you they don't think I'm all that great. And they're kind of tired of me in all honesty, 95% of the time. Um, so I really appreciate you saying that. And like I said, uh, it, it's awesome to be able to connect with Carolina fans this way and to be able to be a, a very small part of the way folks experience Carolina sports is, is exactly what I always wanted to do. And it's a lot of fun and looking forward to hopefully doing it for a long time to come. Well, just make sure when you come up to Ohio, you take care of business, okay? Because you know, I will you, personally make 10 three-point shots. Do it. Do it. Because as long as I don't hear O-H-I-O again in a Carolina <laughs> game, I'm good. Not, and again, I just lost half my audience that's in Columbus, but I don't care. I don't want to hear O-H-I-O again in the Smith Center. That, that was blasphemy in my opinion <laughs> so <laughs> no this is a revenge tour I feel good about this team even if they lose to that college that's here in town we're going to be fine in March we're like again like I play but but they're going to be fine in March I know Roy's going to take care of business he's got a lot of tools and the other thing that I want to mention really quick is I think they're going to be around a while I don't think we're going to have a lot of guys exit stage left unless who knows with COVID, but I don't, I think this team's going to stay together a while and Roy's got something special. And, and I think he's going to hang another banner. Should they all stay around and he just keeps adding pieces. I hope you're right. I, I would love to see it. Well, me too. And uh, we'll follow you and, and on Twitter at J Adam Lucas, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Everything will be in the blog post. Go have a good night with your family. Tell them that I think you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. I will. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll listen to you online. We'll listen to you on the podcast and we'll definitely read what you write because you're the best in the world. So thank you so much, Adam. I, I truly appreciate your time. Aaron, thanks so much. Really appreciate you having me. And next time you're going to have a better chance in those ticket giveaways. I promise. <laughs> That's hey. I'm going to hold you to that. And honestly, let me tell you this too, before you get off here, open invite. You ever want to come back, talk to guys in Columbus or on this podcast, you have an open invitation forever. You can always, you're always welcome here because, you know, I'm a fan. So <laughs> I appreciate you, man. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Go Heels. Thank you, Aaron. All right, brother. Talk soon. Bye-bye.